This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. For my yoga teacher friends who are interested in working with the pregnant population, Prenatal Yoga Center offers an 85-hour Yoga Alliance certified program based on our three-pronged theory of prenatal yoga, asana, education, and community. Once a year, we hold our three-month immersion program in New York City. For those who cannot attend this training, Caprice and I are now traveling to different locations holding our training at hosting studios where we will spend six days working together, exploring and learning about prenatal yoga. This training consists of more than 50 hours working together. We also created a whole membership website with more than 20 videos corresponding directly to the manual you will receive. For more information, check out our website at prenatalyogacenter.com. Hope to work with you soon. Take care. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Deb Blaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about breastfeeding, specifically breastfeeding newborns. And I'm so thrilled and honored to have Dr. Jack Newman. Let me tell you guys a little bit about him. Dr. Jack Newman graduated from the University of Toronto Medical School in 1970, interning at the Vancouver General Hospital. He did his training in pediatrics in Quebec City and then at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto from 1977 to 1981 to become a fellow of the Royal College of Physicians of Canada in 1981, as well as board certified by the American Academy of Pediatrics in 1981. He has worked as a physician in Central America, New Zealand, and as a pediatrician in South Africa. He founded the first hospital-based breastfeeding clinic in Canada in 1984, and he is a consultant for UNICEF for the Baby-Friendly Hospital Initiative. Dr. Newman has several publications on breastfeeding, including the Dr. Jack Newman's Guide of Breastfeeding, as it's known in Canada, and the Ultimate Breastfeeding Book of Answers, as it's known in the U.S. His website, www.nbci.ca, has lots of information on breastfeeding, and in particular, video clips to help mothers understand breastfeeding better. Please check out his website. And it's with that, I welcome Dr. Jack Newman. Thank you so much for joining me. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, thank you uh, <laughs> for having me. <laughs> <laughs> So um, breastfeeding, it's something near and dear to my heart. I breastfed both my kids. But to be honest, when it comes to giving feedback for moms, I think that's the area I'm weakest on. And so I thought we would kind of jump into the idea of offering information for the moms to understand, I guess, why best breast is considered best, as well as how we can support them in the first 48 hours. Can we start there? Sure. You, uh, is that one question? Yeah, I guess <laughs> that's one long <laughs> that's question. Long. Long. All right, so let's start with why breast is considered best. Okay, well, I think it's considered best because there's lots of uh, uh, good studies that show that it is best. Uh, uh, better for the mother, better for the baby. And, uh, uh, you know, there are so many uh, studies that have been done on so many aspects uh, uh, it would take uh, maybe the whole time uh, involved here to discuss them, but I can say very quickly uh, that the longer a baby is breastfed, uh, the uh, less likely they are to be overweight, uh, the less likely they are to have uh, certain chronic illnesses like diabetes. Uh, you know, there's just stuff there that's just 
been published over the last 20 and 30 and 40 years. And uh, when uh, doctors say there's no difference, and they do often say there's no difference, they obviously don't know what they're talking about. We also know that it is better for the mother because uh, uh, probably one of the best documented uh, benefits of uh, breastfeeding uh, for the mother is that it decreases her risk of breast cancer. People don't know this. People don't talk about this. Uh, I guess it's I don't know, makes people feel bad that maybe, oh, I should have breastfed or I should have been breastfed and it's just not uh, talked about. Uh, not only breast cancer, but ovarian cancer, possibly uterine cancer. And women who breastfeed, uh, the less they are less likely to have high cholesterols, uh, less likely to have uh, glucose intolerance, that is a precursor to diabetes less likely to have cardiac uh, events such as heart attack and stroke. Uh, and, you know, we talk a lot about uh, why breast is better for the child. We don't often talk about why it's better for the mother. And, in fact, it's better for the uh, family as a whole and it's better for uh, society. Um, and I don't like to talk about the benefits of breastfeeding, although I just did. Uh, but, in fact, uh, you know, we don't, I try not to talk about the benefits of breastfeeding. I talk about the risks of not breastfeeding. Okay. Yeah, the reason I guess I did want to say benefits, and we can also talk about the risks even more, although you did go over a lot, um, is because I think sometimes uh, women don't have the information, and so they may not think, like like you said, you know, the care provider may not say, oh, it's important. And so I believe if women have the information and the inspiration as to why to breastfeed um, and hearing the benefits, I think can help encourage that. Um, so then we know, you know, breast is best. Um, how can we support women and babies in the first 48 hours to get a good start with breastfeeding? Well, I mean, this is probably the most difficult thing of all because uh, we are dealing in the vast majority of hospitals in North America and in much of the uh, developed world, uh, hospitals that, uh, whether sometimes uh, knowingly, sometimes not knowingly, uh, they uh, undermine breastfeeding from the very beginning. And so there are a number of things. I mean, first of all, uh, there are altogether too much, uh, there are too many uh, 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 interventions during labor and birth, such as uh, uh, all mothers getting epidurals, all mothers uh, who get epidurals also get IV fluids, which can result in all sorts of difficulties for the breastfeeding. Uh, and, you know, this is a whole talk I give. So, again, uh, to uh, talk about it in a very short period of time, I just, I just want to point out that this is a problem. And then we have uh, problems because there are a huge number of uh, hospital uh, health providers, nurses, doctors, who believe, really believe that there's no milk in the first few days. And so, uh, you know, in many hospitals, uh, almost every baby gets a supplement, often by bottle, which is the first step in undermining breastfeeding. The issue is so complex. Uh, it's based on ignorance. It's based on lack of teaching that they ever had. Uh, uh, even the small thing is, how do you know a baby is getting milk? Well, it's hard for me to show it on uh, on uh, Skype, but we have several uh, videos on our website uh, uh, that show babies breastfeeding at the or not. You know, they're all on the breast, but some of them are getting milk and some of them are not. And the, it's important for health providers to know how to know, and they don't. They absolutely don't. They use all sorts of irrelevant and useless and even harmful. Uh, uh, methods of deciding if the baby's breastfeeding well. The one that drives me crazy is this thing about if the baby loses 10% of his birth weight, he needs to be supplemented. First of all, that's not true anyway, because uh, the, if the baby loses 10% of the birth weight and we consider that significant, then the mother should be given help with the breastfeeding, not automatically have uh, her baby supplemented with a bottle of formula. Mm -hmm. But... So, you know, so that's step number one is we need health prof providers and hopefully the people on your uh, uh, listening here uh, to know how to know a baby's actually getting milk. Well, and what if the baby, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just want to touch upon that. Um, you alluded to about the epidurals because when one gets an epidural, they have a tremendous amount of IV fluid. So can you talk a little bit about what happens? So there's the 10% 
weight loss, which is a concern. But yet the babies, aren't they pretty pumped full of the IV fluid that the mom's receiving? Is that going to well, be a factor? Exactly. If the babies are, uh, uh, I mean, if the mother's gotten three liters of IV fluid over the last 24 hours before the baby's born, then the baby's going to get a significant amount of that. And it's bizarre because then we say the baby is overhydrated and starts urinating and starts losing weight. And then when they get to 10% uh, weight loss, they say, oh my God, this baby is dehydrated and has to get uh, something. And the problem with that, of course, is that we say that the baby was overhydrated. And in fact, instead of being dehydrated, he's just coming back to normal hydration. Mm -hmm. But we take this as something negative. Uh, in fact, it's not necessarily negative at all. And it's not just about uh, that. I mean, scales, people waste, use waste, scales poorly. They, they write down the number incorrectly. They put it into the computer incorrectly. There's all sorts of mistakes that go around uh, uh, scales. So that's another issue about the 10% weight loss. And I have lots of documentation of that sort of thing happening to mothers. And the most obvious is a baby who was born at five pounds, 12 ounces, I think it was. And uh, five hours later, weighed uh, six pounds, 10 ounces. Mm. And one might ask, how did that happen? <laughs> we don't usually weigh babies five hours after birth. Uh, but somebody looked at the baby and says, this baby looks a lot bigger than five pounds, 10 ounces. So, uh, you know, let's just make sure he's the weight, the scale is right. And the scale was obviously wrong or somebody was wrong. So there are issues like that. But what would have happened if that baby was 6'10 at birth and 5'10, you know, the next morning? Right. There would have been panic. That's, right. I think, if that's if I have the right numbers, that's 17% below birth weight. So, you know, there are things like that. But finally, there's more. And a real issue is that when mothers get so much IV fluid, then the, uh, her nipples and areolas can be all swollen and make it difficult for the baby to latch on. So what we need to do is, first of all, use as few interventions during labor and birth than are necessary. But so many mothers are getting all sorts of interventions that they don't need with the F, uh, IV fluids as well and the whole kit and caboodle. And uh, it's just causing problems with breastfeeding. Can you? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I've seen that with students. I've seen that with doula clients. Um, I remember one time seeing one of the breasts, uh, the mom's breasts were so inflamed with, uh, with fluid, not inflamed, but engorged with fluid. Uh, mm. Can you talk a little bit about the breast crawl? I find that pretty fascinating and I've only seen it twice. All right. Well, it's it's worth seeing because it's on the one hand, it's miraculous. I it mean, we truly is. Baby, <laughs> yeah. We see this baby who's put on the mother's abdomen and the baby crawls up to the breast and latches on all by himself. And on the other hand, it's kind of banal. I mean, every mammal and we're mammals, uh, though people like to think we're different. All mammals in the wild have to do that. I mean, if the move, if the baby moose doesn't latch on by himself, find the breast and latch on by himself, that moose will die. So all have to do it. And why should humans be any different? And we've seen and we've got videos of babies crawling up to the breast and latching on all by themselves. And yet this seems to be something that uh, obstetricians either don't know about or pediatricians that don't know about or don't seem to care and don't think it's important. And this is an amazing thing. And when a baby does that, a baby has learned almost everything he needs to learn about breastfeeding. In fact, he probably knows already. They go through a very stereotyped uh, uh, number of uh, steps, you know, starting with uh, uh, lifting their heads a little bit, uh, smacking their lips, uh, crawling up to the breast, and finally latching on all by themselves. And when they do that, first of all, they latch on well. And I really believe that the biggest problem that we see with regard to breastfeeding is due to the fact that babies are not latching on well. But if they do it themselves by crawling up to the breast, then they latch on well. And the problems that we see would be diminished in a tremendous uh, uh, fashion. So, yeah, the first time I saw it, it was actually at a home birth, and I was amazed. I didn't know at that point. I, I'd never seen it, and I, just the baby kind of wiggling itself up. It was miraculous. Um, I want to talk a little bit about latch, uh, because this is an area I hear a lot of moms talk about. Um, latch as well as uh, 
feeling they're not getting enough um, milk supply, but we can tell that one to next. But what are the common issues that you're hearing about or seeing? And I've watched your videos. So they really show a good latch, um, a lot of them. Um, so the moms could then see. What is it that you're seeing or hearing that the moms are having a problem um, with the latch with the baby? That's that's the <laughs> crux and that's the basis of almost everything I hear about breastfeeding. Um, I truly believe that we can put down uh, the vast majority of problems uh, to how the baby latches on. And so, you know, I, I can say from right from the beginning, if a mother has sore nipples, the latch is wrong. I don't care who says to her, oh, that looks like a great latch. If the mother is sore, it's wrong. And if it's wrong, you need to help that mother. And that doesn't mean like three weeks down the road. It means right now at birth or in the next few days after birth because uh, pain is one of the greatest reasons, most important reasons for mothers stopping breastfeeding. And it's not only a question of stopping breastfeeding, it's pain. Who needs it, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Uh, you know, so what we see, first of all, there are many reasons that uh, mother, the baby will have a poor latch. One is that what I call technique or actually how the baby latches on. I mean, sure, babies can latch on any old way. And if the mother has an abundant milk supply, then it might work fine. Uh, you know, well, I mean, that's the way it's always been. But we've learned things about breastfeeding and we realize that with all the interventions during labor and birth, that a lot of mothers will need help with a good latch. So we need to teach them the technique. And I have to say that we teach it differently than the vast majority of other people dealing with uh, new mothers and trying to help them breastfeed. And what, uh, and I think it works better much of the time. So there's technique. Second of all, there's the use of artificial nipples. I mean, there's no question in my mind that artificial nipples will interfere with the way the breastfeeding goes. Like nipple so, shields? Oh, nipple shields are my number one hate. <laughs> Is that what you it's, meant by artificial nipples or you mean by bottles? No, I meant the bottle nipple oh, too. Okay. okay, so there's bottle nipples. Uh, you know, a bottle is bad enough. The nipple shield is a horror show. And I think that if I may say so and be ready to accept hatred, <laughs> I accept the hatred because what I'm saying is that when mothers are given nipple shields, it's usually because the person that suggested them is just too lazy to help them out. And this we see in the hospital. Oh, you know, I have had one mother in the last, I don't remember, maybe three or four months ago. She was still on the on the bloody delivering delivery table and some nurse snapped, slapped a, a, a nipple shield on her while she she hadn't even put the baby to the breast yet. <laughs> And this is what we see all the time. Oh, you know, you've got flat nipples. Flat nipples, my eye. Uh, you've got uh, IV fluids. IV fluid uh, nipples is what you've got. And, you know, we see all these mothers in our clinic, you know, two, three weeks down the road. And they don't have anything like flat nipples. I don't even know what they are. Uh, so, you know, that's one of the – oh, the, the nipple shield, the bottle is a, is a disaster. And let me tell you. Uh, the, uh, the, you know, you guys in the United States, I, you have got to do something about your maternity leave because, uh, so many mothers have to start bottles or feel they have to start bottles because they're going back to work, uh, you know, six weeks after birth, your Northern neighbor, you're in New York. Well, your Northern neighbor, that is Canada. Uh, we have one year maternity leave. And when you have one year maternity leave, you don't have to start bottles. You don't have to use a pump. You don't have to uh, give formula. You just feed the baby. And presumably, if you've had good help and the baby's breastfeeding well, you can breastfeed that baby exclusively for six months and then start the baby on solids. And the baby never gets a bottle in his life. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So you're saying, and I guess I'm just going from my own experience, um, I mean, I actually like working, so um, I kept, I was happy to go back and I have, I feel fortunate I have a job. I mean, I own the yoga studio, so it provides me a lot of flexibility, but I did breastfeed my son until about 18 months and my daughter weaned herself at 14 months, um, which I was not so happy about. Um, but I did exclusively breastfeed. They never had formula, but at some points I did have to pump and give a bottle. So you think that's a problem too? Yes, I do. And, uh, I think that, uh, I, if I may say so, uh, now that we're getting personal, <laughs> uh, babies of 14 months don't wean themselves. I swear, I tried to get her on, and she just kept pushing the breast No, no, away. I believe you. I believe you. And there are two reasons for that. Uh, there's either the bottle that they get used to and start to prefer. Uh, and it's not only a question of preferring the bottle, because why should the baby prefer the bottle? Well, because the bottle gives faster flow. Babies like fast flow. This idea that my baby, uh, I have overactive letdown reflex, and therefore, you know, uh, I'm feeding the baby, uh, you know, just on one breast at a feeding is a good way to slow down the milk supply for sure, decrease the milk supply. So what happens? Uh, you talked about the bottle, so that's one thing. The baby starts to prefer the bottle because the more you use a bottle, the, 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 the worse the baby's latch becomes. And the worse the baby's latch becomes, then the uh, more likely the baby is to uh, go to the breast, not get much milk, and that when that happens, also your milk supply decreases. So the milk supply decreases, the baby refuses the breast. Uh, so this is what happens, and this is why it's so important, I think, that mothers get decent maternity leave in the United States. And I would say the decent maternity leave is seven months minimum. That would be the minimum. And I think that it makes a big difference. Well, first of all, you you have your own business, right? You, mm -hmm. have, you don't have to give your baby bottles. You can just take your baby with you. This is well. I mean, my daughter's now two and a half, so that's that's in the past. But um, yeah, I don't know how it would have gone over in, in the middle of class. But I do want to go back to um the idea of milk supply in the first forty eight hours because I know that some women freak out because it's colostrum in the beginning and then the milk coming in and then the nervousness of the baby's not getting enough. What what can you talk about um, when the milk comes in, feeling satisfied with the colostrum, and then after milk comes in, what would you say to a woman that feels like her supply is low? And that's a big question too. <laughs> okay, so... First of all, I think the the first uh, the first myth here is that there you know colostrum is not milk and therefore it's not uh, uh, you know it's not what the baby needs. It's exactly what the baby needs. And why is the baby not getting the colostrum? I mean, the baby should. Oh, no, I be think getting... the baby should get the no, colostrum. No, 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 that's not what I meant. Oh. Why should the baby not get the colostrum? Meaning that the mother has been pregnant for presumably close to nine months, and colostrum starts forming around 17 weeks after conception. So the colostrum is being collected during that whole time from 17 to 40 weeks. And even if that mother ends up not producing enough milk for some reason, and we can go into that later, but if that mother doesn't, uh, that mother should have enough colostrum for, to, to satisfy that baby, at least for the first 24 hours. But why do babies not get satisfied at the breast. Well, there's two reasons, because they're not latched on well. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, like I saw this, um, you know, we don't see the babies too often around two or three days after birth, uh, because, you know, before they get to us after, you know, they're, they're before they're, they get to us, they've been, they have to be referred and so forth. So it's often several, several days, often even a couple of weeks at the earliest before we can see them. But we happened to see a two or three day old baby just uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and this baby had a really tight tongue tie. And when that baby went to the breast, that baby did not drink. Then we released the tongue tie, and the baby drank like a star. He was amazing. He just drank and drank and drank and drank. So that's only one reason that a baby may not be drinking at the breast but uh, in the first couple of days. But the other is a lousy latch just because the mothers are being told, oh, yeah, that's a beautiful latch, when in fact it's not a beautiful latch at all. 
We also teach the mothers something called breast compression. And that breast compression is a way to increase the flow of milk to the baby so that the baby does get enough milk. And if all this starts working in the first couple of days, most mothers will not have problems with milk supply. Okay, so what do we do if the mother does have milk supply Well, can issues? you describe what the breast compression is? And then we can talk about what if the mom does have milk supply issues? Sure, you're the boss. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so, I mean, you know, first of all, they need to know what to, how to know the baby's actually getting milk. And I guess I can show it sort of here, is if that's the baby's chin and that's the baby's upper lip, a baby who's actually getting milk will go pause, pause, pause. And the longer the pause, the more milk the baby got. So if the baby is just doing nibble, 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 that baby's not getting milk. I, and this is a huge issue because health providers often believe if the baby's on the breast and sucking, then he must be getting milk. This is an idea that I don't know where it comes from, but I guess it comes from the fact that if a baby's on a bottle and the baby sucks, he's getting milk usually. But that's not true for a breastfed baby. Those babies may not be getting milk. And so the mothers are being told stuff, oh, it's only colostrum, so it's not very rich. Oh, it's uh, there's not much fat in the colostrum, and so that's why the baby's so hungry, when in fact the baby's not getting milk at all. And we can help that baby get milk. We can help him by fixing the latch. We can help him by using these breast compressions. So what does that mean? I could tell the mother to get to get her hand around the breast, just like, I don't know if you can see this, but just like that, okay? Fairly far from the nipple, okay? So the baby is sucking, but the baby's not drinking, then compress. Mm -hmm. And that's like, it's like pumping, except you pump straight into the baby. And so the baby will start to drink some, keep that pressure up until the baby doesn't drink anymore, and then release. That's and exactly then how I was taught. So, Good. Yeah, that's exactly okay. how. Yeah, we and you have, know who taught you? Yes. Somebody that learned from me. <laughs> <laughs> and we I didn't really invent this, but uh, but I'm certain that I never heard it before from anybody until I, 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 I just remember my the patients, uh, not the patients, but the mothers I saw in South Africa where I was working who were doing it. I said, oh, okay, obviously I didn't invent that, but. You know, now she now the baby's drinking. That's what the mothers do in 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 Africa, where breastfeeding is normal still, not for long, but for but still. Oh God, I'm glad that the, the lactation consultant that I've been working with the last 14 years is is on par with what you're talking about because she really has helped me um, with both my kids quite a bit. So let's talk about milk supply. So um, what the moms can expect, and then what do we do with the moms that are told that the milk supply is too low? Well, sometimes they're told wrong just because. Uh, for too many people, health providers, uh, it's all about weight. And again, I have to emphasize that, you know, scales can be wrong. And not only can scales be wrong, but when you weigh a baby on two different scales, then you're looking for trouble. And that's the problem. Oh, the baby should be back at birth weight by 10 days. Well, who said? There's no evidence for that. But it's not just that. It's that when you're weighing a baby on two different scales, it may not be accurate. But again, it's not just about weight. We have to look at the whole picture. Is the baby drinking well? Is the baby not drinking well? Well, if the baby's not drinking well, what can we do to fix it? Well, we can help the mother with the latch. We can release a tongue tie. We can stop the bloody nipple shield. We can do all sorts of things to help that baby get more milk. And, you know, part of it is fix the latch. Part of it is use breast compressions. Part of it is don't feed the baby on just one breast at a feeding so that the baby gets the high milk. This is uh, this is like crazy. I cannot believe that people, this is so common an idea that the baby must feed on just one breast. So again, back to the uh, pause, right? Mm -hmm. Look, if the baby is sitting on the breast and not doing uh, pauses, pause, then that baby's not getting milk. So keeping him on one breast so he gets the high milk, well, he's not getting high milk. He's getting no milk if he's just doing nibble, 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 nibble. Mm -hmm. So take him off. Put him over to the other side. Do the same thing. Most of the time, if you do that, fix the latch, watch for drinking, use breast compressions, switch sides when you have to, and even go to the third side. Sometimes uh, mothers are surprised that the baby will go back to the third, the first side, third mm -hmm. side, and the baby will uh, drink uh, uh, again, even though the baby wasn't drinking before because the milk starts to flow again. 
Yeah, that's what my lactation consultant called it. She goes, start with the appetizer on one side, go to the other side for the entree, and then go back for a little dessert back to the original side. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I liked that. Um, so how would a woman know, I guess if the baby is pooping, and we're not talking about too much weight, but if the mom is concerned and she's not obviously pumping and giving in a bottle, I've heard so many moms say, I just don't know if my, I feel like my supply is low. What can we do to help if, if the latch looks okay? Is there anything that legitimately could cause low supply? Well, I mean, it's, it's a biological function, right? And uh, it means that uh, it's on a bell curve. And anything that's on a bell curve has some people at the bottom. And uh, uh, I would not say that it's like 50-50, you know, like you have your bell, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that everybody to the left, can you, I don't know if that shows up as left. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, everybody on the left is not producing enough milk. It's probably just a small, small part of the tail of that uh, bell curve of mothers who do not produce enough milk just because there are, you know, it's like everything. Not all people produce enough thyroid hormone, right? Not all people produce enough insulin. And I think that it's it's wrong to say that, you know, like there's a significant number of women who cannot produce enough milk, but it's also wrong to say that it's no, there's no such thing as not enough milk. There are women who constitutionally cannot produce enough milk. I think there's a small number, but they're there. And that doesn't mean they can't breastfeed because when we deal with such problems, we help the mother supplement. We supplement the baby at the breast with the, what, 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 what I call a lactation aid. And that allows the baby to uh, continue breastfeeding on the breast at the same time as the baby's getting supplementation. Uh, we are now, uh, you know, much more open to donated milk than we were, say, 10 years ago. But we are definitely open to donated milk. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not so easy. You're in New York. It's probably pretty easy to get donated milk. Because yeah, there's, there's, so a, there's a milk bank. And I actually remember I happen to have been a rather abundant milk maker. So I actually gave my friend some. Um, she was having a hard time with breastfeeding. I gave her. I had a freezer full. I gave her some of my milk. Um, but can you talk about I've seen what you were taught. I've seen uh, in person the whole breastfeeding um, supplement at the breast. Can you describe for our listeners what that is? Well, basically, first of all, they can go to our uh, website and see it uh, right. being used. But also, basically, it's a way of supplementing the baby at the breast. There's a, uh, oh, uh, a container with milk in it. And then we make a hole in the top of the container. We put a tube in, uh, like a nasogastric tube, if people will know what that is. But a, a feeding tube that uh, it's just a long, thin tube. And it runs from the uh, container onto the breast and into the baby's mouth at the same time. It's easier to see it on our website. There's a, um, there's a video called Inserting Lactation Aid. And people can see it, see what it's like. And it's basically, not only does it help the baby get milk still at the breast, it probably increases the mother's milk supply more than breast, breast, bottle. But most important in my mind is that Something that we're afraid to talk about is that there's so much more to breastfeeding than breast milk. Breastfeeding is a relationship. It's a close, intimate relationship between two people who are usually in love with each other. And so let's maintain the breastfeeding even if the baby is not getting exclusively breastfed. Yeah, it's the skin to skin. It's the oxytocin. It's the bonding. Absolutely. It's all that. Yeah, it's I, I loved breastfeeding. I that was one thing. I don't want to have another child, but I do miss the breastfeeding. Oh, <laughs> so what would you say to women um that are currently pregnant that they want to prepare for breastfeeding? What can they do right now? What they need to do is get good information. Uh because there's so much junk on the internet. There's so much rubbish from uh health providers. Uh, you know, and there are many, there are many health providers, uh, like obstetricians. I don't say all obstetricians do this and not all family doctors do this, but they give away free formula samples, uh, to the mothers. This is, if you, if that's what your health provider is doing, you can bet that they're not supportive of breastfeeding. And when you, if you run into problems, they're not going to be able to give you good advice. But I have to say the teaching of breastfeeding in medical schools and nursing schools, for that matter, is piss poor. Can I say that on a... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. They learn nothing about it. 
if they learn anything about breastfeeding, it's all theoretic. It's got nothing to do with you're sitting in your office and a, and a mother comes in with her baby and says, my nipples are killing me. What can I do? And what they often say is, well, just give the baby formula. It's just as good. Well, that's not the answer. And that's not what they learn in medical school, how to help mothers with sore nipples, mothers who uh, feel they don't have enough milk, uh, babies who are not gaining weight well, uh, babies who are not latching on, babies who have colic in quotes. Every baby that we see, I don't know, somehow seems to be on drugs for uh, reflux. That's rubbish. That is nonsense. I don't believe for a second that except for rare, rare uh, cases that exclusively breastfed babies uh, get reflux. What it usually is, is that the baby wants more milk. That's all. And I don't care if that baby's gaining beautifully. Some babies just want more. And so, it, you know, the doctors look and say, well, look at this baby. He's chubby and he's gaining lots of weight, exclusively breastfeeding, but he's not happy. So it must be reflux or it must be allergy to the mother's milk. Well, it's not. It's in 99% of cases, it's the baby wants just a little bit more milk. So feed him more. Get that baby, uh, you know, uh, to, uh, to take the second side and stop giving him one breast at a feeding and, you know, so on. Okay. No, I've gone just, off on a tangent. No, no, no. Actually, that tangent I kind of loved because I do see um, a lot. You know, I've had, fortunately, I've had the, the honor of working with thousands of women. And I hear about reflux a lot as well as allergy. Now, I didn't experience it with my own kids, but I see it with my students. Um, so you're thinking that you're saying that you think the idea of reflux is the baby's not still not getting enough. What about allergy? I hear mom's like cutting everything out. She's barely eating and she's pretty miserable. Um, what and are your baby's thoughts? Not better. And yeah. the baby's not better. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I have very strong thoughts about that. <laughs> I'm okay. Good. Let it go. <laughs> right. Let well, it I think that uh, what we're seeing and even to the point of blood in the, in the bowel movements, is basically the mother's had a decrease in her milk supply. And it's interesting that we see this in mothers who have started off with an abundant milk supply and for some reason the milk supply has decreased. And it doesn't have to be to the point where the baby's not gaining well. I see this all the time. I get three or four emails every day from mothers who say, oh, my baby's got blood in the stool, and they're saying that I have to stop breastfeeding and give the baby this special formula, uh, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I, we see them in our clinic, you know, at least one a day of uh, late on, what I call late onset decreased milk supply. And that's why these babies are fussy. This is why the babies pull away from the breast, because the mothers have had a decrease in the milk supply. And I want to emphasize again that it doesn't mean that they, the baby's not getting enough. The baby could be getting enough, but the behavior tells you something's wrong here. The babies pull at the breast, they cry, they punch the breast, they, 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 they have, uh, you know, uh, they have, uh, uh, you know, green, uh, foamy bowel movements, often with blood and mucus, and oh, that's an allergy for sure. And they get a gas, they get a, they get scoped by the gastroenterologist who says put them on neutramogen or something like that. And uh, I would not eat, I would not drink a neutramogen if I, I were dying because it's, it tastes like vomit. It smells like vomit. I'm surprised that babies will drink it. And in fact, they often don't. And so then the mother said, well, I tried, but he won't take it. He said, just keep trying it. But that's not the problem. He's not allergic. And the reason it does work, it'll work. You know, the baby will stop having uh, blood in the stool. The baby will stop having mucus and green stools and foamy stools. And the baby will be less miserable. But why? Because now he's getting enough milk. Okay. So we are uh, as much milk as he wants because from a bottle, the milk flows. But when the mother's had a decrease in her milk supply, the baby's used to the former fast flow. And the baby then will, uh, as I said, pull at the breast, punch the breast, cry, seem unhappy, have these terrible bowel movements. And all we do is we find the reason for the decrease in the milk supply. Often it's a tongue tie. We see this very frequently in mothers who come in three or four months after birth and say, I don't know what's going on here. He was doing so well for the first few uh, months and now he's crying and now he's not happy. Some babies actually will refuse to latch on. 
And what do we find in these babies? A large, a significant number of them have tongue ties. Mm. And we increase the milk supply by giving the mother a medication, domperidone. And then after a week or so, we release the tongue tie and things just turn around. In fact, they with the domperidone, they turn around so well that many mothers who had said, okay, we'll do the tongue tie next week and we agree with you. And the reason we say that is because many of these babies, if you release the tongue tie at three or four months after birth, and then they go to the breast where the milk supply has decreased, or I should say the milk flow has decreased, then they actually may refuse the breast. So we increase the milk supply first, then do the tongue tie. But they come back a week later and they say, well, everything's going so well. I don't want to, I don't, I don't really don't want to do this tongue tie release. And we agree. And we, although I think it could still, they could still run into trouble later on, but okay, for the moment, we'll leave it. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so you said something that I hear a ton of women concerned about, how to increase milk supply. So what was it you were mentioning? Uh, we often use a medication called domperidone, but that's not all w- what we do. Okay. I mean, first what of are all, some other options? Like I remember okay. looking when my daughter was starting to pull away, I was going, I'm like, okay, fenugreek. I was looking at oatmeal. Like, um, what are, maybe those are just old wives tales, but what are ways that women can increase their milk supply? Well, the first thing is get the best latch possible back to first principles, get the best latch possible. Watch for drinking. Use breast compression to keep the baby drinking. You know, lots of people talk about pumping, but pumping, I mean, breast compression is like pumping, except you pump straight into the baby instead of, uh, and you eliminate the middleman, the pump. And, you know, pumps are a nuisance, I think. that So use the breast compression. When the baby's starting to, to, to drink less, take a baby off, put them over on the other side. Do at least two sides. And that's one way of increasing the milk supply. The other way is to make sure the baby's got as good a latch as possible. Again, you know, we see a lot of tongue ties. I mean, I don't know how many tongue ties are out there, but we see a lot. But of course, we're a breastfeeding clinic and (laughs) tongue ties interfere with breastfeeding. And yet people always ask us, well, how come you've got so many babies getting tongue tie releases? And we say, this is a breastfeeding clinic. Uh, Tongue ties interfere with breastfeeding. If you went to a, a renal clinic, and found that 90% of the people there had high blood pressure. Would you be surprised? Would you ask, why are there so many people with high blood pressure? No, you wouldn't, because it's common in people with kidney disease to have high blood pressure. But then when it comes to breastfeeding, oh, well, you know, like you, well, what happened? I mean, how come they didn't do tongue-tie releases uh, 100 years ago? Well, they did sometimes, but again, they, uh, you know, they, 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 this whole thing about so many interventions during labor and birth mm-hmm. and poor advice about breastfeeding, it wasn't as common then. And the problem is that the breastfeeding problems are, a, um, are cumulative. In other words, if every mother got a good birth, every mother got off to a good start with breastfeeding, maybe most tongue ties wouldn't be a bother. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be an issue. But that's not what's happening. So if you had a mother with, uh, you know, three liters of uh, IV fluid uh, during the labor and birth and the baby doesn't latch on and so they take the baby away and they give the baby bottles, blah, 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 then even sometimes a mild uh, tongue tie might be enough to sort of throw the whole thing off. And we've seen dramatic changes after tongue tie releases in babies, not two to three days down the road, but immediately so if the baby um, doesn't have tongue tie, is there something specifically the mom can do to increase? So say they, the latch looks good. Um, is there anything she can do herself? Just keep feeding? Is that what you're saying is going to help the increased well, milk supply? Feeding, get rid of the bottles. Uh, uh, use the medication. I'm not keen on the herbs, although okay. mothers, a lot of mothers say that, the, that they do seem to work. And that, that's a problem because... With breastfeeding, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of placebo effect. 
So are the herbs placebos? I don't know. Do they work? Maybe they do. I don't know. I mean, I've been I've been recommending them for years. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there are enough women who say, oh, what a what a relief that, you know, I can just feel I have more milk after I take the fenugreek and the blessed thistle. I say, all right. And now we're talking about moringa, you know, moringa. Mm mm. Oh, okay, it's a leaf uh, that, that lives on a tree in the Philippines and in Eastern, in Eastern Asia. And in the Philippines in particular, it's, it's used for everything. It's, uh, uh, but one of the things they use it for is to increase milk supply. They really believe in it. We see some, relief, you know, we see some, some effect of uh, Moringa uh, and the fenugreek and the blessed thistle. Uh, they seem to work sometimes. I won't say that they don't work. I still like my Dom Peridone. Okay, that's good. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your thoughts of... I, one of my very close friends had a, an issue about uh, antidepressants and breastfeeding. Um, mm-hmm. She felt very guilty about going back on antidepressants while breastfeeding. And I'm glad she did because um, she was getting definitely down into a dark rabbit hole. And so I'm glad that she did. Is there? What do you think about antidepressants while breastfeeding? Well, I think that almost every drug is compatible with breastfeeding. And the real question is, which is safer for the baby? Yes. Breastfeeding with tiny amounts of drug, and it is tiny, and people don't seem to understand how little of any drug gets into the milk. But So what is safer for the baby? Breastfeeding with tiny amount of drug in the uh, milk or formula? And I think the answer, when we look at all the data, the answer, with very few exceptions, it uh, shows us that it's safer to continue breastfeeding. No, well, she wanted to continue breastfeeding. She just no, no, need, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I was actually thinking so the difference is that uh, the difference the safer is a mother that needs an antidepressant but not taking one, or taking one and and still breastfeeding. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I have, I get a lot of questions. It's probably the most common <laughs> question I get is about dr- a particular drug and breastfeeding, and. Uh, you know, if the mother, you know, what I usually answer is, uh, if you need this medication, take it and continue breastfeeding. Um, because I have to bite my lips sometimes because sometimes the indication for using a particular drug, and I'm not speaking necessarily about, uh, antidepressants because I don't, I mean, I'm getting a, an email. I don't know her situation really, mm-hmm. but in many cases, the, uh, uh, the, uh, indication for using a drug is, not there. I mean, somebody's being treated for no good reason at all and being told to stop breastfeeding. So I say, okay, if you need the drug, uh, continue breastfeeding uh, and, you know, take the drug. But I have to bite my lip. I say, what's going on here? She's being treated with this drug. She doesn't need it. Anyway, that's beside the point. And while we're kind of on that topic, um, what about the idea of uh, alcohol while breastfeeding? Because I've had moms... Is that like a little, I've had moms say like, oh, I have to pump and dump and other, um, I've heard lactation consultants say as long as you're not completely trashed, like one glass of wine is not going to affect the baby. What's your thoughts on that? I just happened to post on that uh, on Facebook again today. (laughs) Oh, I'll have to look that up. Okay. Uh, Yeah. What a coincidence. So, but yeah, I mean the amount, the, the, the example I use uh, most of the time is I don't know what the legal limit is in New York State, but in New- Ontario, if you you're considered to be too impaired to drive if you have 0.05 percent alcohol in your blood. Well, al- alcohol is very much like water; it passes back and forth between breast and milk uh, as as if it were water. And so, if you have 0.05 percent alcohol in your blood, you have 0.05 percent alcohol in your milk. Well. And the example I compare that to is <clears throat> I went to the uh, store recently, not re- not that recently, but uh, I went to the store and I looked at the de-alcoholized beer. The de-alcoholized beer that I found had 0.6% alcohol, which is more than 10 times 0.05%. And yet people are saying, oh, you know, you can drink 0.05% alcohol day in and day out and you will never get an effect from it. I mean... How much, 0.05, that means, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, no, I can't, I, can't tra- I can't translate this into uh, ounces and stuff like that, but five mils in a liter 
five mils of alcohol in a liter mm-hmm. of uh, milk of, of uh, milk. Okay, that's right. And that's 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 not going to harm the baby. And besides, if the mother stops her one or two glasses of wine, then the milk, uh, then the alcohol in her blood decreases. The alcohol in the milk decreases. All right, I think it's made a lot of moms happy to know they can have a glass of wine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I I think there's a lot involved here, and one of them is that basically mothers are being told that the only re- the only way you should be breastfeeding is to become a saint, stay home, and never go out. Because it's not nice to go out and breastfeed in public, and you know can't that's a have, whole other topic. <laughs> it is a whole other topic, and you you know you can't have an uh, you can't have an aspirin if you've got a headache, and you and it's you know you can't go to the swimming pool and breastfeed even though there are naked women walking all over the place. You know it's 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 bizarre, mm-hmm. uh, but and and what you know and I think the reason that so many women don't breastfeed. One of them is because they get such lousy uh, information from their health provider. But the other one is that you have, you know, you can't do anything if you're breastfeeding. All you can do is stay home and be a saint. Yeah, not quite the case. Uh, Before we wrap up, is there any last, first of all, you get great information and I'm going to do links to your videos and your website because I watched a lot of your videos and they're great, especially if a mother's not sure what a proper lat should look like. Um, you've got some great stuff up there. Do you have any last minute tips for women that, um, that could just help them have a better path to, to breastfeeding? Well, if, uh, I think that the main thing is, uh, don't always accept what your health provider is saying. Remember that they know less about breastfeeding than you do in 99% of cases. I think the important thing is to, you know, don't do what you don't want to do. And this is what I, this is, these are the sort of emails that I get. The doctor told me I have to switch to Nutramagen because my baby is, uh, has an allergy to your breast milk. Well, no, find out, find out more information. Go to our website. The information is there. And if it's not there, then there's a contact us and I will answer the email. So basically, get information. Don't stop breastfeeding if you don't want to uh, or if you don't think it's the right thing to do. And sometimes don't even supplement. You know, we can get a lot of babies gaining fine if we just help the mothers a little bit. And sometimes we can do it by email. Wonderful. I really appreciate your time. And I hope that um, I believe that so much of what you said can help women that are suffering or that are maybe considering not breastfeeding for whatever reason. I really feel your information might have uh, brought them to see the benefit for mom and baby. So thank you so much for everything you do for your website, for your information and for your time. All right, I'll let you I'll drop an email when this is coming out. All right, well, have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Okay, you too. Thanks so much. much. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.